0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of True Crime Cases. I'm your host, Allison Mendes. And today we are going to dive back into the Suzanne Morphew case and wrap up the rest of the information on the arrest affidavit for Barry, as well as go over a few new details that have emerged in the past few weeks. Before we get into it, I wanted to say thank you to everyone reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. I am constantly working to try to make this podcast better for you guys, and I read every single review and take all of the criticism and try to fix any issues that I am seeing pop up. That being said, I am trying out a new recording software, and I am really hoping it improves the audio quality for you guys and gets rid of any unwanted noises. Let me know over social media if you notice a difference or if you think it's an improvement or not. I am eight months pregnant. I know I mentioned that before. A side effect of that is just me having less lung capacity and heavy breathing. And along with that are some more fun symptoms like congestion and you produce a disgusting amount of saliva when you're pregnant. I'm not making an excuse for it at all. I need, I know I need to work harder to edit it out for you guys on the other side of things until, you know, I'm not pregnant anymore. And then this really shouldn't be such an issue. I wanted to give you guys a heads up that I will also be marking the end of season one for this podcast at the end of this month. And I will be taking about two months off for just maternity leave and also for the holidays. We're going to have family staying with us for like almost two months. So recording is going to be a little bit more difficult. So I thought I might as well just take some time off and i also wanted to mention that because october is breast cancer awareness month for the entire month i will be including a link to nationalbreastcancer.org in the show notes where you can just learn about how you can help and you can donate if you want to but more than anything just spread awareness for both men and women because breast cancer affects everybody those are the only things i really wanted to get into so let's just dive right back into the case Okay, so when we left off last week, I had finished up Barry's initial statement to law enforcement that he had given on May 13th of 2020, and now we are moving on to his next interview with law enforcement, which was on May 21st of 2020. Now, the purpose of this interview is to review the victimology packet for Suzanne, which had been prepared by the BAU, or the Behavioral Analysis Unit of the FBI, Noted in this interview is the fact that Barry is speaking of Suzanne in the past tense, which can be a red flag, especially since this interview is taking place not even two weeks after she's gone missing. Barry also dives more into Suzanne's use of antidepressants and alcohol, which he says she began using to escape the stress and the anxiety of dealing with chemo and cancer, and that when she took them, she basically wasn't herself. And that was the only time that they really ever argued or had any issues. He said that he begged her not to take the pills because she got really mean and angry when she took them. He also mentions in this interview that Suzanne had friends that she kept from him, referencing one time when he asked her who she was texting and she told him that it was private. He mentions that Suzanne had given her passcodes to him her passcode for her phone, but he also said that it was very suspicious that she had kept some of her communication from him. Barry also mentions that Suzanne had an allowance of $300 to $400 a week that he gave her for spending, and he referred to himself as an ATM. Now, when they dive back into those last few days before Suzanne disappeared, Barry states that... Suzanne's drinking really picked up on May 6th when the girls had left town. I think they left town on May 5th, to be honest, but the dates here are all so close together and Barry kind of gets them mixed up a little bit. But he says that her drinking picks up heavily once the girls leave town because she doesn't have anyone to hide it from after that point. On May 7th, Barry says they went to a local place to get pizza and salad and that they ate some of that in the car on the way home, and then they finished it when they actually got home. Barry said that May 9th, which was Saturday, was a perfectly normal day, and that Suzanne was in a great mood, and when law enforcement asked him if anything unusual happened that day, he said, quote, no, no, it was a perfect day Saturday. Now, when the agents asked him if Suzanne had been drinking that day, He said that he didn't pay attention to it because he wanted to, quote, have a good night with her. So to me, that is a little bit contradicting. First, you say that Suzanne is mean and angry when she's drinking and you make it seem like she's actually abusing alcohol. Then conveniently on the last day that we know for sure that Suzanne is alive. You just weren't paying attention to it if she was drinking or not. And if Suzanne was some sort of angry alcoholic, like he's kind of painting her out to be, I think it would be very hard to ignore if she was drinking or not that night. I think it would be really obvious. After that, he reiterates what I went over last week, that they had dinner, they had sex, and neither of them left the house for the rest of that evening. Now, here's the first time that I've noticed that Barry changed his statement. Law enforcement asks Barry if he used his phone on that night to set his alarm to 4.30 a.m. for Sunday morning. And he states that he, quote, just woke up on my own without an alarm, end quote. Now, that directly contradicts what he said in his May 13th interview, where he directly states that he set his alarm on his phone and that he woke up to that alarm at 430 on Sunday. When law enforcement officers ask Barry what he thinks the number one reason is for why someone might be motivated to cause Suzanne to disappear, Barry responded, quote, sex or he wrote it down. I think they asked him to write down what he thought his reason would be. And when they asked him to elaborate on that, why he thinks that, he responded, quote, because my wife is beautiful and that's my nightmare right now. Like if someone's got her and is sexually abusing her right now as we speak, end quote. Now the agents also bring up the fact that the workers who came to the hotel that Barry had been at on May 10th told law enforcement that the room actually smelled very strongly of chlorine. Barry said that he had no idea where the room would smell like that, and that he added that maybe the hotel staff had been using something that had a similar scent to chlorine to clean because of COVID. I know I mentioned this beforehand in one of the previous episodes. I think it might have been the first one, but they did check with the hotel staff, and they said, "No, we don't use anything that smells like chlorine to clean, and the pool was closed because of COVID. So there's no purpose for or no reason why the room should have smelled chlorine, especially that strong. I think the guy or the woman that went in there said that it smelled like so strong that it made their eyes water. So that's a little bit odd. Agents also told Barry that documents were found in the room and they asked him if he had taken any documents into the room with him, to which he said no, and he implied that maybe the people who had gone into the room after him had brought the documents in with them. And we know from surveillance footage at the hotel that Barry is actually seen on the camera bringing in like a messy stack of papers into the hotel with him. And when he leaves the hotel room the next time, the papers are like all neatly organized. So he did bring something in there with him. And a lot of people speculated that he left like some some sort of documents with his name on it to like provide him an alibi or something like that. We also learn here that originally Barry had planned on picking up Morgan before heading to Broomsfield and that they had agreed to ride together. Morgan is Morgan Gentile. She is an employee of Barry's. And that didn't end up happening. And when he asked about when he was asked about that, he states that he changed his mind because Morgan was a smoker. And so he told her that she should drive her car separately and just follow him to Broomfield which we will later find out from Morgan's interview, is false because she said that she just basically heard Barry's truck super early in the morning. She wasn't aware he was leaving at that time and that he just called her later and was already in Broomfield, that he never informed her that they weren't riding together anymore. Now, let's get into his interview on May 28th of 2020. The same two agents interview Barry here, CBI agent Cahill and agent Derek Graham. And here they specifically ask him about the tranquilizer darts in his house. Barry says that the purpose of the tranquilizer darts was to be able to tranquilize bucks and sell them. He said that after the bucks were tranquilized, then they could be placed in a trailer that has these cubicles. Almost like a horse trailer, if anyone has ever seen one of those. I think that's what he's probably referring to. And he could then sell the bucks in Indiana. He did state that he had not used the tranquilizer or the darts in Colorado. To me, personally, the fact that you have not used them in Colorado makes it extremely odd for the dart cap to be found in the dryer inside of your home in Colorado, and we're going to get into that later. Now, on June 2nd of 2020, Barry is interviewed again by the same two agents, and in this interview... They go interview him at his, um, his own home. And here, Barry says that Suzanne might leave him, but that she would never leave their daughters when they, were, when they asked him, basically, would Suzanne ever like run away? Barry also agreed that an animal attack or some other sort of accident was unlikely due, th- due to the way that Suzanne's bike was found and the positioning of the bike and helmet. Barry also says that the last time Suzanne was doing well in regards to the alleged alcohol and substance abuse was the first summer that the family had relocated to the Colorado area, which would have been the summer of 2018. Now, law enforcement does tell Barry that the likelihood that Suzanne was missing due to a stranger abduction was highly unlikely, and that due to her lifestyle, the area they lived in, and other factors, that it was actually much more likely to be a case of intimate partner homicide. And apparently when they tell Barry this, he didn't object to that statement at all. When asked what he thinks should happen to the person responsible for whatever happened to Suzanne, Barry said convict. And when law enforcement asked him to elaborate on that, he said, quote, convicted and held responsible. I mean that's not what I wanted to write, but I mean inside me I would like to physically harm them if they did this to my wife. That's but dot 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 end quote. They also ask him again what his last image of Suzanne is, and initially he said that he did not see her on the morning of May 10th or remember the last image. And here law enforcement reminds him of his previous statements where he said that he did see Suzanne on that morning of May 10th and that she was sleeping, more specifically snoring in bed and that they didn't speak, because it was really early, like 4.30 or 5 a.m. He even described what she had been wearing to bed the night before, slash that morning. Barry was then asked several more times what his last image of Suzanne was, and he would not answer the question. So in order to kind of get any sort of response out of him, Agent Grusing asked if maybe he saw like a lump of covers in his bed before he left for Broomfield. And finally, Barry responded, Quote, probably just the lump there. The detail is, I remember her breathing, end quote. So we're starting to see here that he's going from a super precise story with every detail included to as time passes, the story is getting less and less detail oriented and small things are starting to change. He then brought up the little um, text argument that he and Suzanne had on May 8th, and he says, quote, But in the afternoon, it was like it never happened. She texted me back and was just like, hey, when are you coming home? Hey, this or that. Just pick up this or pick up that, end quote. Regarding the afternoon of Saturday, May 9th, Barry said that when he arrived home, Suzanne had vegetable soup waiting for them, and they just kind of sat out in the sun. They talked, and they had a good day, and they decided they were going to grill steaks that evening, and he said that she was, quote, perfectly fine because there was no alcohol in her. End quote. So basically before he wasn't paying attention to whether she was drinking or not. And now it's that she was perfectly fine because she hadn't been drinking. And that is going to change a few more times in the future. Now, Barry does say that Suzanne took the sheets off of one of their daughter's beds. It doesn't say who her name is redacted throughout the entire arrest affidavit, because I believe that she's still a minor. She's like 17. And he said that she did take the sheets off of the bed and wash them Saturday night. And he was asked if anyone else had the passwords to Suzanne's phone and laptop. And he replied that no, basically he had some of the passwords not all of them. um, But he only had them because she had given them to him. Barry is interviewed again the next day, June 3rd, at his home. And this time they bring up whatever the text argument was that the two had on May 8th, which was um, Friday. And Barry says, quote, that we had our text argument. I don't remember what it was about. She was in one of her moods, end quote. When asked again about that evening, he responded that they probably watch TV and Suzanne is usually on her computer. She's typically on the computer, maybe doing a class online. She always looks for clothes online. He added that she did not apologize about the text that morning and that she just basically acted like nothing had ever happened. Regarding Saturday, May 9th, Barry said that he made breakfast that morning and sat it next to her in bed. Then that afternoon he got home and Suzanne had a bowl of soup ready for him. They talked about hiking and biking. And he said, I honestly don't recall what we did after that, but I think we hiked here in the subdivision. Yes, we did. We hiked fooses that night. And that's just a trail that's like by their house. Then he repeats twice that he's pretty sure that that's the night that they hiked Fusas. He can't remember for sure if it was actually Saturday or not, and he's never going to be able to recall that. He then goes on to say, I know that we sat down at the lake for a while. I'd say we were gone for an hour and a half, maybe. It was actually a good day. She didn't drink at all. It was a normal, nice afternoon. He says they got home around three or four and started dinner. He messed around in the garage for a little bit, and he thinks this is when Suzanne started washing the bedding in one of the daughter's rooms. He goes on to say that they had a wonderful evening because there was no alcohol in Suzanne. Again, after dinner, Suzanne did the dishes, and Barry went back into the garage. He was fixing a pin on his bobcat. We'll get into the bobcat more, too, in a little bit. Then Barry says that Suzanne was actually naked the last time he saw her, so he didn't know what she was last wearing, and remember before, he did. And then regarding Sunday morning, Barry mentions that, again, he went to McDonald's for food, but decided against it, so he went to a gas station nearby to get a granola bar instead. Now, in the first interview, remember that he said that he always kept granola bars in his truck. So he actually didn't mention the gas station the first time. So yet again, those like little details are, are changing subtly over time. Now his next interview is on June 17th of 2020. And the only thing really of note here is that Barry mentions that Suzanne had recently started taking, um, THC or CBD edibles and oils for about a month. and. He said for about a month before she, quote, left and that she was getting them from a man named Tim in Westcliff. And then he provided Tim's contact information to law enforcement. And I will say that he also refers to this separately as Suzanne in a different interview. He refers to this as Suzanne buying drugs off the street and cited that whoever she was getting these drugs from was a possible or a viable suspect in her disappearance. And by buying drugs off the street, he's literally talking about like CBD oils, which is just a little extreme. On June 25th, Barry states that Suzanne's family was involved in marijuana and suggests that maybe they were responsible for her disappearance. Barry calls Suzanne's sister, Melinda, quote, wicked. And then he says that her brother, David, David, is smart enough to, quote, do something like this. He's brilliant, end quote. Then after pretty much just pointing the finger at Suzanne's family members, Barry says, quote, sometimes when people are guilty, they point the finger because of their guilt. And what he's trying to refer to is the fact that Suzanne's family has been pretty straightforward in the press about thinking that Barry is somehow involved in her disappearance. And they were pretty early on. And so I think that he is saying that they're pointing the finger at him because maybe they're guilty, but it's just ironic because that's precisely what he's doing. So are you pointing the finger at them because you're guilty? It's just a kind of a contradicting statement. He goes on to accuse Suzanne of having an affair with a man named Kurt Siegler, but denied ever going through her phone because he did not want to lose her trust, he said, while he was stating that she went through his phone all the time. Now, a few weeks go by after this interview, and on July 8th, Barry is interviewed again. And bear with me, I know this information kind of starts to seem tedious, but this is the last interview for this section. It all serves a purpose because you just keep seeing it's the same story over and over again, but it's just little things changing. Now, Barry goes over the same days again. This time, he says that on Sunday, the only places he went were McDonald's, the hotel, and the job site. So now no mention of the gas station. He also mentions here that, quote, the alcohol got worse and worse and worse those last three months. She was drinking every single day. When asked about a long phone call that he had on May 8th, Barry stated he couldn't remember what it was about and couldn't remember talking on the phone at all. Barry then goes back to saying that he did go to the gas station to throw away garbage that was in his truck on Sunday. And then he did go in and he got a granola bar. So we're back to the gas station story again. He was asked if he threw anything away at the hotel and he says that he did not, or that he didn't recall if he did, which we know is proven false later because of hotel surveillance footage and the several garbage dumps that Barry did that day, which... I covered extensively in part two. He was actually asked when the last time that Suzanne had mentioned that she wanted to leave him or if she had recently said that to him, which he said, no, I don't ever recall her saying that she's going to leave me. And agents asked him if she had ever said that she was, quote, done, like basically phrasing the question with in a different way. And Barry stated, quote, she's never said that she loves her family too much, end quote. And we know that's not true because she has a text that she sent to him on May 6th that says that she is in fact done. When asked about dinner again on Saturday night, Barry said that they split a steak, but each had their own plate. And this is where Agent Grusing objects and says that only one plate was found in the dishwasher, to which Barry says that he must have hand-washed his plate that night, and that's why there wasn't two. Barry then stated, quote, because she started drinking, in response to a statement by the CBI, that he and Suzanne's behavior got worse the minute the girls left on the trip, quote. And she was drinking the whole time. Barry stated after multiple assertions that he did not recall what junk he threw away, that he might have thrown away an old pair of boots that had been in the back of his truck. And after CBI told him, Multiple times that they knew he threw away more than just boots, he stated, quote, if there's clothes in my truck, there was probably old clothes I threw away, end quote. Barry was told by CBI that he showered at the house before leaving, and then he showered again at the hotel when he arrived, and he said, quote, showers, relax me. Barry stated that he changed, he changed his shirts all the time when the CBI said that he had changed his shirts twice after getting to the hotel. And when asked why, he stated, quote, I don't even recall changing shirts at all that day, end quote. When confronted by CBI agents that the video footage from the hotel contradicted Barry's statements that he was at the wall on the job site when Gene Ritter called, which is his neighbor who was checking on Suzanne, Barry did not refute this evidence, obviously because he couldn't. He wasn't at the job site like he said he was. They searched the Morphew property again after this interview for Suzanne's remains, but they did not find her. Okay, so now we are heading into section four of this affidavit, which is evidence. So during the search of the Morphew home on May 23rd of 2020, law enforcement came across the infamous spy pen. And when they look into that further, they found that the recordings on the pen appeared to be between February of 2020 and March of 2020, based on the context of the conversations. On these recorded conversations were two males. One was identified to be Barry, and the second was later identified as Jeff, who is Suzanne's lover. There was a file labeled March 22nd of 2020 where Suzanne had placed the pen in Barry's truck while he took a trip to Pueblo, And on this recording, Barry is heard listening to multiple episodes of Forensic Files, including the killings of Mary Lee Wilson and Donna Piant by Lemuel Smith and the murder of Vicki Lynn Hoskinson, who went missing after riding her bike. In the case of Vicki Lynn Hoskinson, her sister finds the bike and discussed how it was found in the middle of the road. Her family pleaded on TV for her return and when Vicky's body was found, it was in a very remote location and animals had scavenged her bones and the investigators had to try to determine when she had actually been killed. It goes on to explain further episodes of Forensic Files that he had listened to throughout the five-hour recording session that they found. There was also an argument that was recorded between Suzanne and Barry where they appear to be arguing about money that Barry owes Suzanne, although they don't elaborate on how much or what the money was spent on. Barry just mentions that he should make, quote, plenty of money this year to pay her back, and it is mentioned that all they fight about is money, according to Suzanne. Suzanne can also be heard saying that she's basically tired of being told what to do, In pretty much every aspect of her life, he controls what she wears and what she looks like and what she does. There is also a recorded conversation between Suzanne and Jeff where they discuss a possible visit for Valentine's Day, but sound like they are trying to work around what Barry will be doing during that time. And Jeff states, quote, I just want you to be happy. That's all. End quote. To which Suzanne replies, quote, I'm looking at the man who makes me happy. End quote. Now, among the evidence listed is a search warrant for Suzanne's Facebook. And I think this is something that I mentioned way back in the very first episode, although I may have touched on it in the second episode as well. But basically between 9.04 p.m. on Friday, May 8th and 6.01 p.m. on Saturday, May 9th, Suzanne sent friend requests to 23 people on from her Facebook account, and 20 of them were men. Now, when law enforcement looked further into her Facebook history, they quickly realized that this was kind of out of the norm for Suzanne, and although she had received friend requests throughout the year of 2020, her account had actually not sent out a single request in the year 2020 until May 8. Law enforcement did go on to interview several of these men that were sent a friend request that day. And many of them still lived back in Indiana, but none of them could confirm for sure that it was Suzanne who had actually sent the requests. Like none of them had talked to Suzanne and she said, Hey, I request you on Facebook, something like that. And none of them had talked with her in like several years. They might've known her from the past, like high school or something. But a lot of them said that it was a little bit odd to see a friend request from her out of the blue like that and that she wasn't one of those people that seemed desperate for friends or anything like that. When law enforcement obtained Barry's phone records, they noted that from Friday through Sunday, all 11 calls between Barry and Suzanne were outgoing calls placed by Barry. In addition to that, out of the 58 voicemails that were on Barry's phone, not a single one of them was from Suzanne. Barry had also deleted numerous calls between himself and Suzanne that had been between May 4th and 5th. And when law enforcement asked him about this, he said that he did not remember doing it, and that it was he was probably attempting to free up some space on his phone, along with the phone calls. Barry had an interesting search history, including how to make a girl orgasm, older man younger woman relationships, third base, my first hand job, local find a cute girl near Salida, and what I found was probably the most interesting was, quote, I can't reset my Facebook password because I can't access the email or mobile phone number on my account, end quote. So that makes it sound to me personally, like he is trying to hack into someone's Facebook account. If you don't have access to the email or the phone number, then it's probably not your account. So it seems like he's trying to find a workaround to resetting someone else's Facebook password. Along with this is more telematics from Barry's truck, which I went into great detail on Barry's route on Sunday, May 10th, in both, both parts 2 and three, including the insane trash dumps that happened that day, so I'm not going to really go over that again. On May 23rd of 2020, when law enforcement was searching the home and the property, they brought in three canines to assist in the search, and they did say that all three dogs hit on the skid steer and the flatbread. Trailer that was parked on the west side of the home. And I mentioned those in the last episode. So a skid steer is like a bobcat. For those who don't know, it is noted that on the bed of the trailer there was gravel and dirt, and that was an area that the canines alerted on. All three of them alerted on the bobcat, and one of them even jumped into the bobcat and tried to lay down on the driver's seat. Something else that was mentioned that I found very interesting was a possible second device for Barry that still has not been located or identified. Apparently, when law enforcement was reviewing the data from the cell phone extraction of Barry's iPhone, they found a second device was associated with Barry's iPhone and that the user ID was separate from the primary user ID. This second device had been first used on November 30th of 2019 and was associated with Barry's iPhone 91 times since then. And it's worth mentioning it was associated with Barry's iPhone seven times between May 5th and 12th of 2020. Now, within one month of Suzanne's disappearance, Barry began liquidating their assets. On June 1st of 2020, Barry petitioned for guardianship of Suzanne so that he could act on her behalf. And this allowed Barry to sign documents on Suzanne's behalf and sell both of their residents in Colorado and Indiana. On July 16th of 2020, Barry sold Suzanne's Range Rover. He closed on their home in Indiana on June 6th of 2020 and closed on their home in Colorado on March 3rd of this year. Now, section five goes over several interviews that are listed in this affidavit, and you guys are more than welcome to go read through those. There's a ton of them. I'm not going to touch on all of them. I try not to put too much weight into these interviews, because unless you are an eyewitness to something, anything that you say about someone is going to naturally be biased based on your relationship and your experience to that person that you are being questioned about. I will say that it's definitely clear here that there are quite a few people who refer to Barry as, quote, shady, and he's known for very sketchy business deals and not necessarily being the most honest person. It seems like he cut a lot of corners when it came to his work. That's mentioned several times. And several people who had worked with him throughout his life all had a very similar experience of being ripped off by him or lied to by him or something, some other unpleasant experience. Now, that being said, one interview that particularly stood out to me was with a woman named Tali Wilson who actually recorded her phone and in-person conversations with Barry and gave those recordings to law enforcement. Holly and her husband were friends with Barry and Suzanne through their church back in Indiana. And in these recordings, apparently Barry told Holly, quote, you are Suzanne to me, end quote. And he also like held her hand while they were in the car. He gave her a kiss goodnight. They didn't elaborate if that was on the lips or on the cheek because This Holly woman is married, like I just mentioned. Um, He told her Suzanne would approve of whatever would happen in their relationship, and he touched her breasts twice, then pretended that the touches were accidents when her husband's head was turned away or not looking. On multiple occasions, Barry shared his theories on what happened to Suzanne with Holly, saying that she was either forced into a car where her bike was found or that someone was chasing her and her body is in the river still to this day, possibly in like stuck in a log jam. He also theorized that someone might be holding on to her in their basement. And when Holly asked Barry what was the last thing he said to Suzanne, he replied, quote, I don't even know. It was just a normal night. We ate dinner together and just had a quiet evening like we always do, end quote. Another interview was with a man named Brad Oswald who was actually a deputy sheriff in Indiana. And he has known Barry for 20 years and said that he considers Barry a friend. And in this interview, he even says that he thinks that Suzanne and Barry must have gotten into some sort of argument or something that made Barry angry and that Barry accidentally killed her. He added that Barry had all night to plan how to get rid of her and that Barry was, quote, big time controlling over Suzanne, that Barry was secretive, and that if he did do something, that he wouldn't talk to anyone about it, and he would never admit it. Brad did say that Barry is an excellent skid loader operator and would have easily buried Suzanne, and that he was smart enough to turn off his phone or leave it at home if he did go do that. He said that Barry is, quote, never wrong, end quote. And very prideful in that, in his opinion, he would never, ever confess to killing Suzanne if he did it. And he said that he believes Barry would have taken her away from the house if he did kill her because it, she would be too easy to find on the property. Now, like I said, there are a ton of interviews that law enforcement has done with people who know Barry and Suzanne. I'm not going to go through every single one of them. Those were the two that I found the most interesting. I can definitely make a separate episode on that and read through all of those individually. If that's something that you guys are interested in, just let me know, send me a message on social media or something. But we are actually going to move on to section six of this affidavit, which is covering the 2021 interviews with Barry and how much he changes his statements once he's finally confronted with evidence and after law enforcement has informed him of the full extent of Suzanne's affair with Jeff. On January 27th of this year, the FBI interviewed Barry again, and here he is very adamant that he had no knowledge of Suzanne's affair. He states that multiple times. He also suggests that maybe Suzanne's disappearance is God punishing her for her affair, and Agent Grusing pushes Barry a few times asking him if he had found out about the affair on May 8th or 9th of 2020 which were that Friday and Saturday before Suzanne disappeared. But Barry denied that he knew anything about the affair. And at this point, he is still claiming that Suzanne never even acted like she wanted to leave or that she was considering A divorce barry also brings up the trash runs from sunday may 10th saying quote i told to joe and derek everything and joe's like well why are you going to five different trash cans and throwing all kinds of crap away and i said i've done that my whole entire life my truck is a mess i go i throw things away here and there because i'm a tightwad and i don't want to pay for trash pickup or this or that or i had the time that day I was, I was going to um, have more time, spend more time on the wall that day. But when I got to it and realized that my workers were going to come and I could have just had them do this stuff and I had time on my hands. For me personally, nothing in that statement makes sense. If your truck is messy and you're cleaning it out, why on earth are you going to five different places to throw away a little bit of trash here and then a little bit of trash there? all in the same day. That just makes no sense to me. I mean, if you stop at a gas station or somewhere with the intent of cleaning out your car or your truck really quick, usually you would just get that all done at once like a normal person. Another part of that story that doesn't add up is the fact that four out of five of those trash stops that Barry made were done on his way to the job site. Like he they were done before he ever even went to the job site where he says that he realized the amount of work, and that he was going to have extra time on his hands. He only made one trash run after that. So that story just doesn't add up and obviously, I mean, isn't true. On February 28th of this year, the FBI met with Barry again to go over a few things, and he changes his story quite a bit here. First, he admits that he cannot really recall which day they actually went on the hike to Foose's, Lake that he previously said that they did on Saturday. And now he mentions that it could have been Thursday or Friday, and he just got his days mixed up. He also asks for the name of the man that Suzanne was having an affair with several times throughout this interview. And even though he has stated multiple times that he had no idea about the affair, he also mentions on multiple trips that Suzanne had taken that he was suspicious about why she was taking certain trips alone and why she was going to those specific locations. New Orleans was one of the trips that he brings up, and he said that it made no sense and that Suzanne basically just said it was just a place she always really wanted to go to, but that he felt very suspicious about it. So basically, one minute he is admitting that at the very least he was suspicious of something going on, and then the next minute he's adamant that this... News of an affair is a complete shock to him. And he can't believe that Suzanne would do something like that. He's just very inconsistent and keeps kind of contradicting himself. And it does. he does it again and again when the FBI agents show Barry the last proof of life photo of Suzanne, which was the selfie she had taken while she was sunbathing outside of their home on Saturday, May 9th. And she had sent that photo to Jeff. It was like a selfie. When the agents show that photo to Barry... His exact words are, quote, well, look at her. She's obviously drunk. Look at her eyes. Do you know what drunk eyes look like? So first, he wasn't paying attention to whether or not Suzanne was actually drinking on Saturday. Then it changed to, no, she wasn't drinking at all. And they'd had such a great night together because of the fact that she didn't have any alcohol in her. And now he's saying that she's clearly drunk. It's just all over the place. And that day is, if anyone has not caught on to this by now. May 9th the Saturday is actually the day that everyone thinks something happened to Suzanne, not Sunday, the day she was reported missing. And I will post this selfie of Suzanne on social media so that you guys can take a look at it as well. Agent Grusing then asked Barry why his phone had shown him running around so much when he got home on that afternoon on Saturday. And Barry explains that he shoots chipmunks all of the time when he's home and that that was what he was doing on Saturday afternoon. So Agent Greasing asked him what he did after that. And of course, Barry can't recall again. So he's not sure if the hike was that day or not. And he can't recall much of anything. But he knows for sure that he was shooting chipmunks that afternoon. And that's why he was... His phone had him running around the house. On March 1st, the agents speak with Barry again. This time, Barry changes his story about his route to Broomfield on Sunday morning. Initially, he had said that he left his home immediately heading in the direction of Broomfield. But the telematics from his truck had registered a trip of 183 miles to the hotel in Broomfield that morning. And since the hotel is only 167 miles away, if Barry had truly taken that route that he initially told law enforcement, there were 14 extra miles that were unaccounted for. So to explain this, to explain this in a way that's easy to understand, in order to head towards Broomfield from Barry's home, he would take a right turn onto a road called Highway 50 which is what he initially said he did. But now Barry is changing his story. When law enforcement asks him if like maybe he took some sort of detour, he says, yes, there was a herd of elk in the road and there was a bull elk that he saw and he really wanted to get a closer look at it. So he actually didn't take a right immediately. He actually turned left onto Highway 50 and got a closer look and continued left for about five miles to a turnaround point in a little town called Garfield." And he said he turned around there and headed back, and then he headed towards Broomfield. So what's suspicious about that is that actually places him on that road and in the direction where both Suzanne's bike and helmet were found. So this is when law enforcement believes that Barry dumped her bike or her helmet Um, and I will post the there's like a map that kind of details this like the road where her helmet was found where her bike was found Barry's turnaround point and then the opposite direction is Broomfield. And I'll post that on my social media so you guys can see it. Maybe that'll make a lot better sense for you. Along with this, Barry asks for immunity on March 5th when speaking with Agent Grusing. The majority of this conversation consists of Barry just being worried that he's going to say something that contradicts what he had initially told law enforcement at the beginning of the investigation. And that'll it's going to make him look guilty and that he'll be falsely accused and convicted of something that he says he did not do. Now, I'm not going to say this is odd. I think I, it might be a little bit weird to ask for immunity. That's interesting to me. But I think as a spouse to someone who is missing, you're obviously going to be suspect number one, especially when the missing spouse is female and you're the male. And that's why When people lawyer up immediately, I don't personally think that that makes someone suspicious. I think it's a smart move. I mean, if Barry had lawyered up, he might not be in the position he's in right now, to be honest, and he might not be getting charged with her murder because it's basically his own statements to law enforcement that have gotten him into this predicament. That's just to play devil's advocate because he is obviously presumed innocent until proven guilty. Also on March 5th, Suzanne's drinking on Saturday was brought up again. And this time, Barry said that he noticed that she had been drinking that afternoon, but decided not to fight her on it because he thought it might make for a better night if she had taken the edge off a little bit. So he just let it go and decided not to bring it up in order to avoid an argument. So that's like the seventh time that he's changed whether or not Suzanne was drinking or not on that Saturday or whether he noticed it. Now we remember that the tranquilizer cap was found in the laundry. And that was strange considering the fact that Barry had said that he hadn't used the tranquilizer darts since they had moved to Colorado. But on March 10th, when the FBI brings up that dart cap again, Barry admits that he has actually tranquilized two deer since they've been in Colorado. So basically he said there were two deer in his yard, that he tranquilized them so that he could cut off their horns because he collects horns like most hunters do, if we're being honest, but he cuts their horns off and wakes them back up and they go on their way. Now, the reason Barry said he didn't admit to that in the beginning is because it's illegal and he didn't want to get in trouble for admitting to doing something like that. And after Barry explains this, he does say that, you know, if law enforcement went looking for those trink darts around his property, that they would, they would find them because he shoots deer. Now, deer do shed their antlers yearly sometime in the winter to early spring, depending on what area of the country you're in. And I think it's... It's not illegal to collect the sheddings, I think. There's certain like property that you can collect them on. I do believe it's illegal to cut them off though. I'm not sure. And I'm sure the reason Barry didn't just kill the deer was that it wasn't the right hunting season for that. So that would technically be poaching. And Barry actually says, quote, I'm telling you right now, I'm a redneck. The first thing I thought of when I came here and saw deer in my yard with big horns, I'm like, I'm getting them horns. Not going to kill it, not going to poach it, but I guarantee if DNR knew that I did that, they'd slap my wrist pretty hard, end quote. And I don't want to focus only on what Barry says that I've find suspicious. I do want to say that he does speak very highly of Suzanne throughout parts of this. He talks about how she is and always will be the love of his life, how she's an amazing woman. He admits that he's a workaholic and says that he's a huntaholic and that he cheated her out of what a woman needs emotionally and that he's selfish. And I just want to include that not to give him any sympathy necessarily, but to try to tell the story accurately and say, you know, he's not just talking about himself. He talks about Suzanne multiple times throughout this, and he speaks very highly of her. Now, the agents do bring up the fact that Suzanne had mentioned that Barry, quote, wouldn't hear of a divorce. And Barry has stated multiple times that she never brought up a divorce or mentioned anything of that nature. But he does admit in this interview that she may have mentioned things like that when they were arguing, but if they sat down and had a heart-to-heart conversation that she never once mentioned it during any point like that. So maybe he just never took it seriously because people say things that they don't mean when they're angry. And Barry also states that she would say things like that when she had been drinking and that he chalked it up to the alcohol talking. And I want to state very clearly again that we have... No proof that Suzanne actually had a problem with alcohol, and she's not here to defend herself, obviously. I just know it's been brought up several times throughout this episode, so I want to make sure I mention that. But he also admits that if he even thought that she was hinting that she wanted to seriously talk to him about divorce or separation or anything like that, that he admits, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hear of it. And like I've mentioned in previous episodes, Suzanne and Barry are both very religious And it's clear that Barry doesn't believe in divorce. And he states that very clearly to law enforcement. Barry also denies that it was him on the internet searches looking up the porn. And he suggested that someone else was using his phone during those searches that they found. Now, about a month later, on April 5th, the FBI questions Barry again. And this time, his relationship with Shoshana Dark is brought up. And the agents basically tell him that it doesn't look great to them. There are photos of the two together at the Antler Hotel in Colorado Springs and Barry responds to that, quote, well, I'll tell you right now that she is a special person in my life and it's, I've told you before, she's a dear friend. There's nothing sexual going on with her and I didn't meet her until October 25th. The first time I ever even saw her face to face and talked to her was October 25th, end quote. He went on to say that his daughters did know about his relationship with Shauna and that they were friends. And he stayed over there late at night, but that they're just helping each other. And I think he denied that it was anything sexual. Agent Grusing brought up the fact that evidence of the Trank dart was found inside the home. And Barry replied, quote, I've shot deer from that little breezeway from between the garage and the laundry room out that back door, end quote. So what's interesting and scary about that statement is the fact that the breezeway is located directly beside The lawn chairs where Barry earlier had said Suzanne was sunbathing when he came home on Saturday, May 9th. And this is the same place she was when she sent what would be her last proof of life selfie to Jeff. So theoretically, Barry could have come home without Suzanne even realizing he could have possibly snuck up in that breezeway and have seen her sending that photo and tranquilized her from right there without her even realizing. And that's obviously complete speculation. That's just my theory. But I definitely had just a pit in my stomach when I read that. Apparently, Barry also had continued to text Suzanne's phone from July to October of 2020 after she had disappeared. And when agents asked him about that, he said it was just an outlet for him to try and deal with his pain. He said he knew deep down she probably wasn't reading them, but it was a form of comfort like maybe he was talking to her. Agents explained to Barry on April 22nd of this year that they find it odd that Suzanne did not text Jeff goodnight on Saturday or good morning on Sunday, especially because it was something that she did consistently before then. And to them, it's likely that something happened to either Suzanne's phone, to Suzanne herself, or to both since her phone usage stopped so abruptly on Saturday. And to this, Barry just replies, yep. Another thing I've per- personally found interesting is that the towel that Suzanne is pictured sunbathing on in her last photo was never recovered from the house. Law enforcement spoke with a veterinarian named Lisa Wolf who had experience with tranquilizers and dosing and everything of that nature. And she estimated that a female of Suzanne's size would likely take eight to 12 minutes to become fully sedated from the type of tranquilizer that Barry admitted to using in the past or had brought up in the interview, which this one is called BAM. She also estimated that Suzanne could be Completely sedated from two to eight hours, depending on how her body reacted to the tranquilizer and her resting position. She said that the dart would be very painful, and that a female of Suzanne's size would be able to run for about two to three minutes before getting super wobbly and unstable and starting to feel like drunk. Lisa also said that a person's breathing would be difficult while sedated from BAM due to brain hypoxia because oxygen coming into the blood would be low. She also said that a BAM dose to a human could be fatal depending on the health of a person, and a second dose would likely cause brain damage. And she also said that if the person who was tranquilized was laying on their back, then their breathing would sound like a snore because their tongue would be falling back into their airway. When Lisa was asked about another type of tranquilizer that Barry had brought up called Telazol, she said that it is heavily regulated and more potent than BAM and that it is what it, What's used to bring down bears, and it actually can keep a bear sedated from anywhere from two to eight hours. Now, Shoshana Dark is brought up again when an anonymous tip is called in, informing law enforcement that Shauna and Barry are in an intimate relationship. And when she is brought in for questioning, she denies being intimate with Barry, but explains that they met in October of 2020 when she was cleaning his neighbor's house and they ran into each other by happenstance at the dumpster. It says in the affidavit that Shoshana deleted several items from her phone, including what appeared to be a a possible second phone number for Barry. And it says she did it in front of law enforcement and that she was super evasive in answering any questions. And the second phone number just made me think of that second device that they found registered for Barry, but never found the actual device. So I thought that was interesting. From December, 2020 through April of 2021, numerous Salida residents have reported that Shauna and Barry are in an intimate relationship. And the reports actually date back to July of 2020, not October, as they both claim they started their relationship. Law enforcement installed a camera that showed Barry coming and going from Shauna's home consistently between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. and sometimes staying the whole night. CBI agents confirmed that Barry and Shauna checked into the Antlers Hotel in Colorado Springs from February 12th of 2021 until Valentine's Day of 2021 which is what was referred to just a few minutes ago when I talked about the footage on the hotel surveillance. Barry's cell phone was reportedly off or in airplane mode during the majority of that trip. Now, more recently, Shauna was arrested on September 28th of this year for actually trespassing on the property that Barry and Suzanne used to live in, but it's obviously been sold to new owners now. And she reportedly grabbed a package that was delivered to the property. She was arrested shortly after because she was caught on surveillance cameras, I believe, that were on the property. And she was charged with trespassing. And the new owners, I believe, filed a restraining order against her as well. And it has not been made public what the package was or if law enforcement has recovered the package. Okay, so, In the summary of this arrest affidavit, which we have finally gotten through, they state that Suzanne was clearly taking steps to leave Barry once the girls left for their trip on May 5th of 2020, while Barry took steps to control her, incapacitate her, stage a crime scene, and create his alibi for her disappearance. No hike had ever existed that Saturday afternoon in Barry's multiple interviews with the CBI until a June interview when he mentioned it. He states they were hiking when evidence that he was trying to purchase a backhoe attachment for his Bobcat directly contradicts that. Finally, they state that Barry put his phone in airplane mode that Saturday afternoon at 2.47 p.m. after he returned home and ran around his house at 2.44 p.m. He claimed that he and Suzanne ate steaks, though he cannot describe them, that she washed the the girl's sheets, though the daughter said her bed was made when she left, that they had sex, though he could not describe what happened following sex, that he woke up to his alarm at 4.30 a.m., although no alarm had been set on his phone, and both, His phone and Chuck Telematics were moving in the 3 a.m. hour, and he had to suddenly leave for a job in Broomfield, though he did not tell his co-workers he was leaving that morning. Barry initially blamed a mountain lion for Suzanne's death upon being notified of her bicycle recovery. In 2021, Barry blamed the turkeys for why he did not have veggie soup with Suzanne during lunch on Saturday, May 9th, the deer for why his tranquilizer gun was used to explain the needle sheath recovered in the dryer, and a chipmunk for why he was running around the house after. After arriving home at 2.44 p.m and the firing of a 22 caliber to describe his violence towards Suzanne that afternoon and the caliber of the tranquilizer darts. For his trip on May 10th, Barry explains his left turn on Highway 50 to explain the truck movement because of a bull elk sighting at 4.30 a.m. from two miles down the road, a left turn that placed him at the scene of Suzanne's helmet. Barry cannot provide a last sighting of Suzanne, only labored breathing similar to a snore, which is consistent with her being tranquilized. Barry describes her as being drunk that afternoon, which matches the effects of the tranquilizer after a few minutes. He says he is running around the house, most likely chasing Suzanne while she remained conscious. Barry has admitted that he has taken Suzanne's phone from her at least twice in the past to try to monitor or control what she was doing. There is no phone activity for Suzanne after 2.30 p.m. on Saturday, which is out of the norm for her typical behavior and an abrupt end following her 59 communications with Jeff that morning and afternoon. By around 2.30 p.m. on Saturday, May 9th, it had become clear that Barry could not control Suzanne's insistence on leaving him, and he resorted to something he has done his entire life, hunt and control Suzanne as he had hunted and controlled animals. Barry told investigators early on that he blamed alcohol for Suzanne's change of behavior and her, quote, distant unlovingness to him, end quote, though she was not a heavy drinker. Barry used alcohol, drugs, and chemo throughout his interviews to describe Suzanne's independence and distancing from him, saying it was, quote, every day that last week. Barry finally blamed God for Suzanne's death after being informed of the affairs as a form of judgment on her, and he stated repeatedly that God allowed this to happen. Barry told the FBI and CBI numerous times, quote, no evidence exists, end quote, which infers he knows what happened to the evidence in this case. When the Ritters called Barry around 5 p.m. on Sunday to tell Barry they could not find Suzanne, Barry was in his hotel room and had been there since about 12.40 p.m., However, he should not be there per his alibi to be out of town for an emergency job in Broomfield. Barry told the Ritters he was at the job site. He told the FBI, CBI and CCSO that he was at the job site. He left his room took his tools out of his truck and placed them in the lobby to make it look as if he was returning from the site. Barry made very little attempt to contact Suzanne on his way home or look around his house or the bike scene because he already knew what happened to her. Setting the tools out that day was similar to what happened earlier that morning when Suzanne's bicycle was placed on the incline. As Deputy Brown commented, quote, I started to question if something criminal had occurred as it looked like the bike was purposely thrown in this location. As of May 4th, 2021, Suzanne Morphew had has not been located. All right. So that is everything. 131 pages. I'm really interested to hear what you guys think. Do you think that Barry is guilty? Do you think he's innocent? And a bigger question I think is, do you think he'll be convicted? Um, Because this is a nobody homicide case. So we, we know that this is all circumstantial evidence and I'm interested to hear what you guys think. So let me know over on social media what your take is on this case. I will leave all of my social media links in the show notes as well as my sources for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and for your patience these past two weeks. I appreciate every single one of you and I hope you have a great weekend. I will be back next Friday with a brand new case.